you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Kyler Bingham, and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. On today's show, we have filmmaker Fred Baif. Uh, his film, The Fam, also known as La Mif, uh, played at the Berlin Film Festival this, pa- this past uh, spring. And I got the chance to see this. It's kind of cool that I'm able, I'm able to um, have a few months of a gap to actually play this episode with Fred uh, because I can really say that the film lasted with me um i see a lot of films over here and this one really um was powerful and we're going to talk about some of the reasons why uh it stuck with me it won pretty big at the at the berlin film festival um and it actually uh the prestigious award generation 14 plus uh winner for la mif and i'm just going to read the synopsis of the film fred's a social worker as well uh, which you'll see how authentic it is as you watch these performances and, and and just the style of filmmaking is outstanding. Okay, here's the synopsis for Lamif. A group of teenage girls have been placed in a residential care home with social workers. This forced family experience creates unexpected tensions and intimacies. An incident triggers a chain of overreactions. The fallout reveals the weaknesses of the retrograde juvenile system, as well as the demons that haunt Lamif, a social drama mirroring our ill-mannered morals. I love this film. I can't say enough. Um, hopefully, there will be a chance for uh, a broad release of it, and, and a lot of people will uh, be able to see Fred's work here. So without further ado, let's jump in to the Salt Lake Dirt podcast uh, with our guest, Fred Baif. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Um, so you, you're a teacher? I'm a teacher, yeah. I'm a high school history teacher. Great. Yeah. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, yeah. Well, I guess like um, Stephen, the the publicist we were working through, uh, he said that you, I mean, I was a bit blown away by your, your very professional background, uh, professional basketball yeah. player, professional yeah. dj uh social worker now filmmaker yeah. um and he said that you were uh you were a big fan of john stockton of the yes. Utah jazz i learned so much just watching him when i was a kid oh that's that's amazing yeah, yeah so i um are you i'm i mean i'm a fan i think if you're if you're from here you can't help but be a yeah fan. you can only be uh, yeah i mean i i think uh i'm definitely a fan I'm not a huge like basketball guy, but I, I would go occasionally with my uncle um, or my dad to games because um, where they play is just, you know, it's very close, like just a five minute drive from where oh, I Oh, yeah, at. really? Yeah, the, very, jazz. the jazz. Yeah, very close. So I remember as a kid, uh, John, that was like, you know, John Stockton, Carl Malone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just incredible. And, and um, I was in high school when they went to when they played the bulls for the championship. And that was, that was pretty rough on, on the state here. Yeah. They didn't make it. Yeah. You know, at that time um, I was a kid and, and being, being a big fan of basketball where I grew up in, in Switzerland, 
like in the countryside of Geneva. Mm-hmm. It was really um, very weird to be a fan of basketball. People made fun of me, you know. And, really? And my brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were gay because because uh, you, you should play football, you know. I mean, yeah. soccer. Soccer, right. And they thought, you know, they thought that basketball is a is a gay sport because you're not allowed to touch each other. You know? Yeah. They That's- just didn't know. Wow, that's so it's so interesting because like here it's the opposite. If you if you weren't into basketball, you'd be made like what's wrong with you? Um, and soccer it was not big yeah. here. So if kids played soccer, they were they'd get me they'd get made fun of. <laughs> so totally totally opposite. Really bizarre how people. Yeah, and we had to we had to order VHS tapes from the U.S. Really? For games? Yeah, because there, there would be no other way to watch the games. There was no channel showing basketball. Wow. So we had to order. There was a company that was sending tapes uh-huh. by post to Europe. And we were, we would like, you know, make copies and yeah. give to friends and stuff. And then sending send it back in like a huge box. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, you, so you were very dedicated. Uh, yeah, we were crazy, I, and uh, it was a lot of work, you know, to be able to watch a game, you know. Wow, yeah, that's <laughs> incredible. I'm, I'm just curious. So, what got you into um, being interested in basketball, since yeah. it was not a popular sport out there? No, it was. It was. It is now, but it wasn't before. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, did you? So, did you have friends or family that were into it? Like, how did you become? My dad actually was a leader of a, a club, a basketball club here. But um, it wasn't really big, you know, it's yeah. just <laughs> well, we were I trying had, to play. <laughs> I had no idea. I guess I'm, I'm American-centric. I, ha- I had no idea. But, yeah, 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 um, yeah. but you know, it's a one funny th- story. I mean, I, I when I was a kid, so I was probably like 12 or 13 years old, and uh, we were in – we were shopping – at a mall like a department store mall and i saw john stockton and he was and he was and it was just so interesting like in my mind because i wasn't a like a i didn't know all the little stats and details on seeing him play on tv he looked so small compared to the other guys Um, and i guess he was by comparison to carl malone and then um, I see him in person and he's huge. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I guess they all are. Yeah, but it was like it, it was just so cool seeing him just doing regular yeah. shopping like the rest of us. It was it was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and now they both have uh, uh, car dealerships here. They have a, they I don't they don't live here, but they come here frequently. So Carl Malone has a car, car Malone Toyota dealerships all over. And John, really? yeah. And then John Stockton has I think he's Toyota as well. Um, but they, they, they do very well with those. They're all over the place in Utah. So okay. the legacy <laughs> has continued to car dealerships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, maybe, so I, I love the film. Maybe we could jump into the film, the fam. Um, and I think because, uh, well, it's incredible just anyways, but I think me being a high school teacher, it, it really resonated with me and it was just so, um, uh, so realistic like those, yeah. those 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 kids that i mean dead on and i think um with this film and your previous film and, and correct me if i'm wrong that you um you actually get people who haven't necessarily acted before uh to yeah. to work on the film so uh 
I'm just kind of curious with this project with the with the fan that was at the um I saw it through the Berlin International Film Festival, and it won it won the um Generation 14 Plus award, so it it, it did really well. Um, I'm just curious about you getting the actors and kind of coaching them through the process of um working on it, and 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 are your scripts are can be rather like very rather fluid at times uh where you kind of let them improvise i'm just curious more about that the process yeah, okay. of finding the actors and then how you worked with them okay uh can, how long is is the interview how long how much time do you um have? We, we we can go up to an hour if you want or we can go less we can go 20 30 minutes we can go 30 40. 30 would be good because okay. i to go home and um yeah let's do it. perfect my <laughs> that's perfect yeah perfect let's do 30 minutes so um let's do 20 22 more minutes or so and then we'll call it good okay great great yeah so um maybe you could speak to the the actors and and how you work yeah. with them so the, the idea is that um i start i started with the with the, a team that i wanted to talk about which is sex abuse uh, and incest uh and um but I didn't know how to talk about it. And I thought maybe if I find a place, like I would call it an arena, where this, this subject could be approached, that would be great. So I, I, um, I thought of a foster home where I used to work as a social worker when I was younger, uh, when I was studying a long time ago, 20 years ago. And um, I met the girls and the social workers and, uh, we I started making interviews like a, a research you know like a documentary filmmaker um, interviews of them and based on on what they told me uh, and who they are i I made up a story for each of them and some of them i may I made it up with them you know uh, but there was a rule that uh, nothing from their real life would be uh, taken mm -hmm. it would just be transformed to another story but i would keep of course the character the personality their their um, their drama you know uh and their feelings but not their the facts of their reality mm -hmm. so that's the first thing and based on that i wrote a first um synopsis and then uh organized some uh improvisation workshops where the, the, the basic idea is to teach them not to act. Uh, which means if you are trying to be an actor, uh, it's going to be bad. So don't even try, just be yourself. Yeah. That's the basic of you know, the, the, the approach. And um, then, of course, there are many other details that I use to, to search for reality, search for authenticity in those um, workshops. I'm not going to go through details now, but uh, there are, it's like a, a method that I developed mm -hmm. to work with non-professional actors. <clears throat> well, yeah, it, it, I mean, it was, it was incredible just to see because it, um, I think I found out after, I think I read that they were not professional, but they seemed, they just did an incredible job. And yeah. they yeah. just fantastic. And then, um, 
and then I was like, but they look so they look so real. <laughs> so I'm like, how? So so then I looked it up, and I'm like, oh my god, he did. They all did an incredible job. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then you know when we work, uh, when we then I, then I write the script, and but the script in the script there are just a few dialogues that I I think could work, but that come from really what they told me. Uh, yeah. Not only them, also the social workers and especially the the director of the place, um, Claudia, she used to be a really direct um, foster home and now she's retired, uh, but she really played her own role in a way. Mm -hmm. And um, from what they, they, they told me, I could uh, have the right dialogues in my script, but when we, we shot the movie, the, it was all improvised. There was absolutely no dialogues that were um, given. Only sometimes I was whispering at their in their ears, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you should say this or that. Uh, what do you think? And I, it's always, um, it, it's real also because I always ask them, what would you say or what, how would you react mm -hmm. in, in this situation? You. And they, and they, you know, they accept it and they, they feel the responsibility to, to be their character. So that's you know a way to work, right? No, that authenticity. No, that's that's great. Um, I, I'm curious, like the editing process, and did did this process of of shooting and working with the actors did that make for kind of like a overwhelming editing process? Did you shoot a lot, or um, yeah. did you kind of okay? Did you kind of rein it? Oh yeah, talk about that in the editing process. How you how you um how you pulled that off? Because of the improvisation. Sometimes when we shoot a scene, we don't really get to the point uh, that, you know, that I want to reach. And um, so we do like really long takes and uh, then we do another take and then, you know, I give them more information or I, I get more information from them and then we do another scene. So it's really a work that we do together. So, so it means that, you know, a scene that ends that in the edit is is lasting, uh, I don't know, maybe one minute. There was like 20, 25 minutes of, you know, of uh, footage. Uh, so then, yeah, of course, the edit, the editing process is really long. And uh, um, I had to re-edit after a while because I thought that I had to go further into searching for, more details because mm -hmm. there are so many things you can do 20 different movies really right so so editing is is like rewriting the film really in a way yeah no that that makes a lot of sense um i guess uh we we could finish up by talking i mean we could it sounds like we, we could go on and on because and, and maybe i'll have you on down the road i am curious about all the different facets of uh, professional work you've done but I'm I'm curious um, how you became involved with with film and 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 maybe who uh, were some of your influences uh, early on and um, uh -huh. just kind of what the steps that led you to making your first uh, film. So well, um, when I was studying social work in um, in a university, I uh, there was a class where they told us the teach they taught us to use a camera uh well they, they used they used to call it um 
mediation mediation tools. So there was camera, there was um, acting, there was many different things. And I, I chose camera and um, it was like a love at first sight. You know, uh, I fell in love with it immediately. And I, I thought, okay, I'm going to finish my studies, but this is what I want to do. And I made a few films, you know, like very amateur documentaries, but I learned just by making them. And then when I finished school, I, I went to New York and I, I worked as a PA uh, on uh, like documentary series, you know, stuff like that. Um, and uh, then I came back and I made my first film uh, documentary about a musician who lives in New York, a Swiss guy mm -hmm. who lives in New York and was like struggling, you know, to, to be a professional musician. Right. So that's, that's really the, the background. Um, but I, 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 sorry. <laughs> I always um, thought that, um, you know, I was not a social worker anymore and now I'm a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like a question of status. You know, I was really proud of being a filmmaker. And, but I realized finally after, when I, when I went, I started doing fiction with my first feature, I realized that I actually was a social worker and I, and I um, should endorse it, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, be proud of it and, and use it in my films, which is what I do now. It makes me really stronger to, you know, I, it's like I have a, two jobs. Mm -hmm. When I film, when I work with these girls, I, I'm trying to make the best film, of course, but I'm also trying to give them a chance to, to build their confidence, you know. Uh, through this process. No, I, so, I, I love that. That's so, that's so great because it, I, sense. it gives that, more sense to the work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense a lot. I think like um, I, I can relate a bit because uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a writer and I'm also a high school teacher. And sometimes it's like, well, we want to yeah. put ourselves in a box. Like, what am I, what defines me? Yeah. What's my status? And yeah. uh, so, but I, I love, I love that approach. It's, and like just it, it clearly comes through in the film because uh, I'd never really seen anything like it before. Um, and it, it really did stick with me. And it was so authentic. That's why I, I was so intrigued uh, when I watched it. So I, I love yeah, that. Teaching can, really, teaching can really feed your work as a writer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. So I, I feel like it's a, it comp they complement one um, each other. So it's a, uh, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. happy. I'm happy doing it. Um, I get, I'm, I'm curious about your influences. Um, I don't really know much about uh, the like film, uh, it, it, films in your region specifically. Um, I'm always interested to, to watch stuff that um, uh, comes out in areas uh, that I'm not familiar with. So like, you know, Geneva uh, is where you're from. I was a uh, I was uh, very curious to watch it and, and I loved it. So I'm curious if you had uh, filmmakers growing up, um, were you more interested in American films? Um, just what did you, what, what were you drawn to uh, when you, when you did watch cinema? Well, a lot of stuff, but um, to, to work on this project, I, I got really inspired by most um, Inari 2's films. Um, you know, uh, 
21, 21 Gram is the, is the French title. Mm -hmm. um, Amores Peros, all the films from Inari 2 that are where the structure is like completely mixed. I mean, it's, it's not, it's non-linear mm -hmm. and uh, I really like it. And I, I <clears throat> honestly, I thought it would be too difficult for me to do that, to have a non-linear structure. Um, so the, the first edit of the film was actually uh, a linear structure where, you know, like classic, but then I, this is why I, I told you I re-edited because I thought it was, um, it would gain more, uh, it would be stronger to try something like that in terms of narrative, you know. And so I, I watched all the Inaritus film that I have watched before, of course, like Babel, you know, these films. Yes. Uh, and then... In, in, in Europe, um, I think um, Abdelatif Keshish is, is a filmmaker who has, a, a, I don't know the t titles in English, but um, all his films, not all of them, I think sometimes it's really too long, but you can feel the improvisation, you know, the, mm -hmm. the reality in, in uh, the acting. And I'm very influenced by this. Can you say Can you say his name one more time? I'm curious to look into him. Abdelatif Keshish. Um, uh, let me write it because. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. A French guy. Uh, okay. Okay. He had uh, Palme d'Or with uh, you know his last film. I'll have to. Oh wow! Okay, so I definitely need to check him out. Um, yeah. Great. And, and, and of course, also um, Jacques Audiard. Jacques uh, Audiard for me is uh, probably the best film director of today. Um, his films are totally amazing. Every time he makes a movie, it's it's a Palme d'Or. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> I need to. Oh, yeah, I need to check these out. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, please do thank because this those. is really um, for me the, the the biggest influence on on what I do, mm -hmm. but also from the school of documentary because <clears throat> I shoot like a documentary. You right. know, uh, not everything is is totally set when we start shooting. We we really are open to whatever is going to happen, and that's not uh, always the case. Right. You know, most filmmakers have a really strict vision of what they want. I don't. I really want to allow my actors and allow myself to, to discover things while we shoot. That's, um, and not many people do that. I, I, I'm also a big fan of Ken Loach uh, in the UK and, and uh, Mike Lee, who are filmmakers who, who also work that way with non-professional actors and a uh, lot, of, lot of improv. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. Thank, yeah. You for, thank you for the recommendations. Um, so I, I'll, I'll finish up with this. Uh, it is nice uh, during like with with the pandemic that hit last year. Uh, I was home a lot, so I was watching a lot of movies yeah. and different things. And I was uh, I was impressed with with Netflix that they had so many international series and films. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole of just watching different things. Um, not from America, uh, and it, it was it was wonderful. So I, I'm curious uh, uh, with your your film, The Fam. Um, is there any place soon that people can be able to to watch it? 
Yeah, first in festivals because the, the my world sale is, is really trying to bring the film in festivals. So we don't know yet where mm -hmm. because everything's reopening slowly now, sure. hopefully. Yeah. So, but first it, it will be like a, a world tour in festivals, and I hope I come to the. I think there will be one in the U.S. I'm pretty sure, um, but I don't know when and where. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the, the world sales will be in territories. And now we are selling pretty well in Europe, but um, and of course it, in South America because my world sale agent is Spanish and they have, they have, they're really linked to South America. So, so right now that's it. But I hope they will sell to Netflix. Mm -hmm. They will, yeah. I think. I think so. There's Netflix has like they, they've stepped it up. I feel like with them, there's yeah. uh, there's, there's yeah, a, I wish there's I much. wish they had a category of like really independent films. You know, like yes, yeah, um, because that's really missing. I, uh, yeah, no, I, very so hard true. to find. Like uh, yeah, I hear is a. Um, I don't have it, but is it called Mubi? Is Mubi the one that has a lot of yeah, independent films? Great. Okay, I need to get that. <laughs> really, me too. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> great. Okay, well, Fred, thank you so much. Um, thanks for taking the time. It was it was lovely meeting you finally um, face to face. Yeah. E meet you. Um, so yeah. I, I will definitely follow your career, and hopefully, we can have you on the podcast uh, again down in the future. Thank you very much. And okay. I hope um, if I if there is a film festival in uh, in Utah, then uh, I go watch a, a jazz game. Yes, with you. I'll take you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you come down to Sundance or Slamdance ever, um, look me up and we'll go to a jazz game. <laughs> It'd be incredible. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. You can touch. Thank you. All right.